Turn with me to two openings in the scriptures this evening. We've been on a series for some weeks now entitled How to Harvest. How to Harvest. You know, uh, I'm a practical sort of guy. Uh, I only want to hear about theory so long, and then I want somebody to tell me how to do it. Right? Because it doesn't make any difference how flowery and great it sounds or how pretty if you can hang it on the wall. If it doesn't produce anything, if it doesn't work, if you don't know how to do it, it's not going to be any good. And the Lord doesn't give us useless information, does he? His word is powerful and amazing. None of his words are void of power and none of them fail to produce what he sent them to produce. If you'd find in Proverbs the uh, 10th chapter, and Ecclesiastes 11, Proverbs 10, and then we'll go to Ecclesiastes 11. You just hold that, and they're put up on the screen for us, Genesis 8.22. Genesis 8.22, we've read this repeatedly. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. This, these principle of cycles is God's creation and everything works on it. You see the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about this and you can see it in nature. Long before people understood any of it, he was talking about the cycles of the, uh, the waters and the springs and the rivers flowing into the ocean and then the evaporation, and then it all happening again, and the seasons, everything is cyclical. God has made it that way. And the, one of the principles of cycles is sowing and reaping. You plant, and then you can reap, and then when you reap, you can plant again. Amen. Right? Amen. And because of the multiplication of the seed, it's possible to increase. You can plant, and when God blesses your crop, you can not only have plenty to eat and see you through the winter, but you can also plant more next spring than you planted that year. That is the miracle of increase. It's a miracle. We, we've been around it all our life, so it, you know, uh, you grow used to it just from familiarity, but it is miraculous that you can take this little bitty thing like that. And it's got a giant 200-foot oak tree in it. (laughs) Amazing. And how that that oak tree, how many acorns can it produce in that 200 years? It's just mind-boggling what God has done. And uh, one of the greatest gifts he ever gave us was seed. Because when he gives you seed... He gave you a future. But something that we need to understand is that he expects us to do a few things. When he gives you seed, you don't just stand there and look at him. I mean, you wouldn't have to know too much for the Lord to give you seed. What do you think should happen next? You should be thinking about planting some seed, right? Look with me in Proverbs, the 10th chapter, Proverbs 10 and 4. It says, he becomes poor 
that deals with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. You know, you can be lazy and uh, not do what you're supposed to do. And you can't make up for that by giving offerings and making confessions. The, we believe, so-called word people, word of faith people, charismatics, believe in sowing and reaping, the principle, including sowing money and sowing offerings and sowing things. Some folks don't. We do. But uh, the idea has almost been left that all there is to experiencing the fullness of God's prosperity is that you give offerings and make confessions. And if you'll give enough offerings and make enough confessions, then you'll just experience the overflow of God's blessing. And that's not all there is to it. It's not all there is to it in the natural. And it's not all there is to it in the spiritual. The Lord teaches us about spiritual sowing and reaping by comparing it to natural sowing and reaping. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And for those of you that haven't been with us, we've already covered a lot of ground, a lot of scriptures. Let me encourage you to get the previous messages. You can go online, download them in their entirety. You can go out if you're in the building to the Word Supply and pick up CD or DVD. It won't cost you anything. And around here, like we say, no charge means no excuse for not knowing it, not getting it. So really, this is important. And there are some things we need to know and understand about our part of the sowing and reaping cycles and process. Uh, he said, verse 5, he that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Uh, the New Century version, New Century in verse 4 says a lazy person will end up poor. You know, that verse is just as true as Mark 11, 23 and 24. It's just as true as Philippians 4, 19. Isn't it? You got to do what you're supposed to do. You know, I've, I've had some people uh, sass me before about some of this. And they say, well, you don't work. Well, you, you know, several things spring to mind to say... But <laughs> I grew up on a farm. I grew up in the country. We had a dairy farm and we did row crops. I've worked on the docks loading freight. I've handled an axe and power saw and I've logged. And, and there's been many a time that I've, uh, doing the ministry, I've thought, man, digging a ditch would be a lot easier than this. <laughs> if you do ministry right, it's going to take some effort. Yes. Now there are some folks that just goof off and play golf all week and, and find something out of Reader's Digest and, and share it for, for 18 minutes. But if that's all you do, there will be no power in it and there will be no revelation and, and anybody with any maturity about them will know it and discern it. Uh, no, we all got our job. And with me, if I did not do what I'm supposed to do, if I didn't go to the meetings I'm supposed to go to and, and be at the places I'm supposed to be and do what I'm supposed to do, I couldn't just give offerings and make confessions and expect Phyllis and I to prosper personally. You understand what I'm saying? I've got to do my job. Well, whatever your job is, you have to do your job or else you won't prosper. If you're lazy, 
and negligent, you can't just, you can't give enough offerings and make enough confessions to make up for not doing your job. <laughs> so you can't just lay on the couch. I know it's bad news to some folks, but you can't, you can't just lay on the couch and be lazy and make confessions and say, well, I gave in the offering. No, you also have to do what he told you to do. We have a responsibility to sow and harvest. According to this verse, it's possible to sleep through a harvest. Isn't that what it said? Look at the verse again. Verse uh, 5. The new century, I was reading it, wasn't I? The new century version, verse 4, a lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker will become rich. Verse 5, those who gather crops on time are wise, but those who sleep through the harvest are a disgrace. So uh, you you don't want to sleep through your harvest. But we see from this, it's certainly possible. In Ecclesiastes, if you go there, the 11th chapter. Ecclesiastes 11. In Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4. 11, 4 says, He that observes the wind shall not sow. And he that regards the clouds shall not reap. The basic English, the BBE, it says, He who is watching the wind will not get the seed planted. And he who is looking at the clouds will not get in the grain. So you notice, according to these two verses, even though you have planted good seed in good ground, or in the case of money and things you've given, according to these two verses, you will not reap a harvest if, one, you don't take responsibility and put forth the effort to get the harvest in. And then two, if you focus on and allow yourself to be distracted by the wrong things. If you allow excuses as to why I can't have it, why I can't get it in this economy or this year or with this going on. Faith is unmoved by what it sees or hears. Come on, are you with me, saints? It is unmoved. It'll say, no, no, no. I've got good seed in good ground, and I did what the Lord told me to do on sowing on that, and I shall reap. And it doesn't matter what's happening or not happening with the government, with the economy, with the company, with this one or that one. God meets my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It can happen. Now, why am I saying that? Because all these things are clouds. It darkens up. And you had good hopes at the beginning of the year, but it just does not look like there's any way that could happen anytime soon. It's a cloud. It's just a cloud. Somebody say it's a cloud. Just a stinking cloud. (laughs) And I do not hide in the house Because I see a couple of clouds go by. I am hooking up the combine. I don't care if it thunders. Come on, are y'all with me? Or if the wind blows, I'm a harvesting this year. In this season. Right? See, so many folks are so easily dissuaded. 
So the Bible said uh, we, we're made partakers if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And we reap if what? If we don't faint, we don't lose heart and give up. You know, it's amazing how that, that folks, you know, they get stirred up. They hear from God. They get excited. They take three steps and they meet somebody that says, no, you cannot do this. And they go, oh, sorry. And they go back and sit down. You're never going to receive like that. You cannot be moved by clouds. You got to make up your mind. I don't care how hard the wind is blowing. I'm sowing. Huh? And it doesn't make any difference how many clouds there are. I'm reaping. Isn't this a picture of not walking by sight, but walking by faith? Right? He said, we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. We don't look at the things that are seen, we look at the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are temporal, they're changing. There's something that you should rejoice about. If you got something that's bad that used to be good, guess what? You know it can change. Right? Because it changed from good to bad. You already know it can change. So if it can change that way, why can't it change the other way? It can. It can. Good news. No matter what you're dealing with, it can change. It can change. And if you'll believe God, it will change for the better. Somebody say amen. Amen. That means so be it. So be it. Go with me, if you would, in the scriptures over to Luke 11, please. I tell you, before you do that, go to Psalm 84. That's what I was thinking about. Let's do it that way. Go to Psalm 84. In uh, Psalm 84 and verse 11. Psalm 84, 11, it says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. Yes, he is. The Lord will give grace and glory. Hallelujah. I'll take both. How about you? Yes and yes. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Don't you say that out loud? No good thing. Will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? The New Living Translation, the New Living, says it like this. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He will not withhold. Say it out loud again. The Lord will not withhold a good thing. No. So now, if he's not withholding, what's going on when people are not receiving? If he's not withholding, what's happening? Most of you know that I came up under Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s ministry and was involved in, in his ministry at Rama, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, for many years. And uh, consider him my father in the faith. And he had numerous experiences with the Lord. And one of them, he actually wrote a little book, a little mini book, entitled How God Taught Me About Prosperity. If you haven't 
read it. It's very good. It wouldn't take you long to read it. A little bitty mini book. And it's entitled, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. I want to take some time and share some of that experience that he relayed in that book to you. And of course, if you want the whole thing, you can can find out about it and get it. But he described how that after some 12 years of pastoring, he, uh, the Lord made known to him that he was not to pastor anymore, that he was to go out on the road, hold meetings. He held meetings in churches, and then later he held meetings in neutral civic centers and auditoriums and that kind of thing. He did that for a number of years. But his first 12 months, having left his last church, being in the road ministry, his finances <laughs> just got worse and worse every month until at the end of 12 months, this was back in 1950, and he was $1,200 in the hole. And his car, uh, he had completely worn his tires out. He's traveling and going to places. Uh, his tires were bald, and his car was so bad He's had to sell it for parts. He sold it for uh, scrap. And he took the money he got for it and paid the interest on the loans that he had, not even any principal, and was able to buy one outfit for the kids for school. And he's broke. And every month he's going further in the hole. So he was at a place having a meeting. And this was weighing so strong on him. You know, the, the family, the wife and kids need stuff back home and he got nothing to send them and it's getting worse. It's been getting worse every month for a year now. And so he spent some extra time seeking the Lord and fasting. He said a partial fast and praying for a few hours every afternoon, just seeking the Lord about this. And in a verse that, that had come to him that he was presenting to the Lord was Isaiah 1 and 19. If you'd put it up on the screen for us, if you would. Isaiah 1 and 19, anybody remember what that said? If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And so he was, he was, he had his Bible open, you know, and he's praying and he's reminding the Lord of this. He said, Lord, I didn't really want to leave my last church, but I, I obeyed you. And you know, it was the best church we'd ever pastored. It was the best pastorate we'd ever lived in. We had the best car we'd ever had. We had the most pay. And our church loved us. And and they brought us half the food we ate. And and they bought us new clothes to go to the conventions. And now, you know, not only am I not getting that regular salary, but we're paying all the expenses and we're not getting the money And Lord, I I did what you told me to do, but I'm not eating the good of the land. And you, uh, uh, you know, my kids are not adequately clothed. I don't have what I need for the ministry. You know, you said if I was willing and obedient. So he prayed like this, you know, for a few days. And I forget what day it was, but he said the Lord spoke to him. And I would try to describe how it was because that, that's him. But, but he said the Lord spoke to him and said to him, let me just read it to you. He said, uh, the Lord answered and said, well, the reason you're not eating the good of the land is because you don't qualify. <laughs> you know, uh, the Lord will tell you the truth. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's all he's going to tell you is the truth. And sometimes it's not necessarily what you want to hear. 
But it is good news to get an answer. Right? Elsewise, I mean, you might want to pat yourself on the back, but if you keep believing the wrong thing, you're not coming out. How many want to know the truth, even if it makes you look bad? Because we can get over that, right? We can get over that and get things fixed. He said, the reason you're not eating the good of the land is because you don't qualify. He said, you are obedient, but you aren't willing. Do you know you can do something, but resent it in your heart? And that renders it unacceptable to the Lord. Sometimes people got away with it from the time they're little kids. Yeah, they'll do it. So they stomp to their room and they shut the door. I'll do it. Well, that don't cut it with the Lord. You say, well, I did it. That ain't good enough. He sees the heart, doesn't he? An unwillingness is rebellion and stubbornness. The Bible said it's like witchcraft. You know, we need some mind renewal in this area, don't we? A lot of folks think, you know, well, I'm a little hard-headed sometimes. (laughs) And people think, well, me too. But what would you think about me saying, you know, I do a little witchcraft sometimes. (laughs) Not much. (laughs) Just a little on Saturday night. I was laughing about it. I've seen people take me out of context and post things and say things. Oh, boy. But he said, uh, you know, rebellion is like witchcraft. And so uh, why? Because it's the, the essence of it is still stubbornness and defiance. And you can say, well, I'll do it. But you can grumble the whole way. And that's what the Lord told him. He said, yeah, you did it. But you're not willing. And you might put on a good show and and, and convince other folks, but you can't fool the Lord. Can you? You, He sees right through everything. He sees right down inside you. And all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The scripture said. He said, "Uh, you aren't willing. So you don't qualify to eat the good of the land. And so Brother Hagin said, uh, to quote him, he said, it didn't take me. You can't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. He said, in 10 seconds, I was willing. And he said, I told the Lord, Lord, I'm willing. You know I'm willing. And I, the devil knows I'm willing. So now I qualify, right? <laughs> and you can repent. You don't, you don't have to go all day dragging your feet. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. What's to think about? Get willing. <laughs> Those people say, well, I'm going to pray about it. The Bible's going to read exactly the same before, during, and after you're fasting and praying. When you find the answer, it ain't time to pray. It's time to do. So he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing. Lord, you know I'm willing. The devil knows I'm willing. I'm willing now. He said, the Lord said to him, well, your trouble is, though, you don't practice what you preach. He said, you preach faith, but you don't practice faith. Now, he he took that kind of hard because he was known as the faith man, you know. But again, the Lord's going to tell you straight. He's going to, you know, you know, it's possible to have 95 series on faith and have confessions all over your uh, refrigerator and your dresser 
and have faith stickers on your car and go to the faith church and faith this and faith that and be absolutely full of unbelief? Did you know that? It is. He said, you don't practice faith. And he said, he told the Lord, Lord, you've hit me a low blow. What do you mean I don't practice faith? You know, I've believed God for, I've believed you for my kids and we've been healed and I've been healed. And, and he went on, he said, uh, and the Lord told him, yeah, you practice faith for healing. He said, you practice faith when it comes to healing, salvation and baptism in the Holy Spirit, but that's as far as you ever go with your faith. He said, but faith is the same in every realm, in every sphere. Faith for finances works just like faith for healing. Or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or salvation. Now that's what we've been talking about. In this How to Harvest series. Religion. Likes what I call. No fault religion. No matter what happens. It's not our fault. No matter what doesn't happen. It's not our fault. It's all up to the Lord. And people try to say. Well it's just all up to him. It's up to him whether I'm healed or not. It's all up to him. And then if it doesn't happen, people say, well, it must not have been his will. Why? Because it didn't happen. So that proves, when something doesn't happen, it proves it's not his will. What about when somebody dies without him? Then that proved it was his will that they perish. Now see, that can't be right. It's contrary to the word, because the word says he's not willing that any should perish. So what we begin to see Contrary to tradition and religion, there are all kind of things happening in this earth that are not the will of God. And it's not his fault. All the pain, the war, the starving, the pain, the anguish that's in the earth was never the will of God. Never pleased him. It's because man has a free will and man has chosen to rebel, disobey God. And the wages of sin is death. Death has come in because of sin. Oh, but Jesus took care of the sin problem. Do you believe it? And soon and very soon, Everything is going to be restored and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where there's no sin, no curse. And the Bible says there'll be no more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more dying. We we don't even know what that's like. A place where there are no hospitals, no cemeteries, no mental institutions, not even any garages to fix your car. (laughs) No garbage piles. We don't know what that's like, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out soon and very soon. A world in which there is absolutely zero sin and curse and death. Glory to God. You looking forward to it? You ought to be. We'll soon be. I don't care if you live to be 150. It's going to come and go so fast. We'll soon be out of here. This is the shortest thing we'll ever do. And for believers, this is as rough as it'll ever be. Amen. That should be a comforting thought, right? This, this, after this, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, man. I mean, and that's all it is. 
And you know, he's sustaining us pretty good right now. We're making it, right? We're, we're having victories. And he said, you practice faith when it comes to healing, but that's as far as you go with your faith. Faith is the same in every realm. There are people that say they don't, they don't believe in sowing and reaping when it comes to finances and material things. And there are people, uh, there are friends of mine that take me to issue about preaching on 30, 60, 100 fold. I've had people tell me, don't preach that in my church. And why? Why? I mean, we've read scriptures. We spent a night recently on the scripture that said that and just shouted about it, talked about it. Well, it shouldn't be a thing thought strange. When you sow a kernel of corn, you don't get twofold. I mean, it's not uncommon. You can get 30, 60, you can get 50 fold wheat crop. I mean, you can, some crops you can get 200 fold. Everybody knows it. It's not like it's some secret. Everybody knows it. One seed becomes many. So you say, well, I don't know. I don't believe in 100 fold. Well, do you believe in 30 fold? You believe in 10 fold? Two and a half? Point five fold? That's it, people, that they look at you like you slapped them with a wet dishcloth. They're like, huh? What? What fold do you believe in? And they go, well, I, uh, I just believe that if you give, the Lord will bless you. That's code talk, for it's all up to Him. <laughs> and that's wrong. Getting saved is not all up to Him. Being healed is not all up to Him. Getting filled with the Spirit is not all up to Him. And reaping your harvest is not all up to Him. We have a responsibility to believe Him and to receive. And that's what the Lord's teaching Brother Hagin about this. And this is where I first heard about it back decades ago. And the Lord added to me as I've sought Him, but it's, it's the same foundation, it's the same principle. There are different ways to say it, but it's the same thing. We have a responsibility to live by faith. And just waiting on the Lord and thinking it's all up to Him is a giant mistake. I know it's popular. Millions believe it. But it's why people just keep going on year after year and not getting their prayers answered. And not getting their needs met. And think it's God's teaching them something or God's withholding from them for some reason they don't understand and he's working something out in their life and, and they're learning some valuable life lessons by doing without and, and not being healed, not being able to pay their bills. Bunk! Junk! <laughs> no! <laughs> I know some folk don't like that, but I'm telling you, the reason I say it like that is because it is a deception of the enemy to keep you and I paralyzed. He wants you to believe that because if he can keep you sick enough and broke enough, he can keep you from having any witness or impact. He can keep you from being able to leave the house or being able to afford to if you felt like it. Are you with me, friends? And in essence, he has extinguished your light. He has covered you up. Oh, but friend, when he brought forth his first people out of bondage, he brought them out with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Friend, when your body's healed and you got money in your pocket and you got a heart to serve God, you can do something. You can, you got the ability and you got the opportunity. 
It's no wonder the devil fights this message so hard. There have been people that have mocked me and, and made fun of you and me and us about prosperity. And then some of the same folks go, man, it was a great thing that you, that you sowed this to the missionary. Or it was a great thing that you had this for the community. It was a great thing. Well, how do you think you're going to have any of that if you don't believe that? You're not going to have anything if you believe the wrong thing. You know, they're so big, oh, you ought to do something for people, but you shouldn't have anything. (laughs) If you don't have anything, you can't do anything. And the more you have, the more you can do. You can do evil with it, or you can do good with it. It's up to you. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of it. He went on to say, you're not practicing faith. In this realm of finances. He said faith for finances works just like faith for healing. The baptism, salvation. And he told him. He said the money you need. Is not up here in heaven. He said I'm not going to reign. He said the Lord's speaking to him now. Of course he speaks to you the way you understand. Whether it's Hebrew, Italian or uh, Southern slang. Draw. Elsewise, I mean, if he talked to me in, in uh, uh, Hebrew, I wouldn't understand it. No. So he, he said, uh, the money you need is down in the earth. He said, I'm not going to rain dollar bills out of heaven. If I did, they'd be counterfeit. What you need is in the earth. And he, listen to this. He said, uh, you know, I made the world and the fullness thereof. That's Psalm 89, 11. He said, the Lord is telling him this. You know I made my man Adam. And I, it says in the 50th Psalm, every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills is mine, and the silver and the gold are the Lord's. He said, the Lord told him this. Do you remember I said this? He said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. He said, for whom... Do you think I made the cattle on a thousand hills? For whom do you think I made the world and the fullness thereof? For whom do you think I made the silver and the gold? For the devil and his crowd? Now this is revelation. This is contrary to what's been taught in churches for centuries. Because people have developed all kinds of songs. I don't want any of this old world's goods. And they haven't had them either. (laughs) I mean, people have come up in church singing about, I don't want silver and gold. I don't want any silver and gold. Yes, you do. Yes, you, you need some. But there's been this religious stuff that's been ingrained that that's for somebody else. Who's it for? You're saying that the wealth and the nice stuff that's in the earth is not for the people of God. It's for people that don't serve God. And that is not true. I said it's not true. He said he had never heard what the Lord was revealing to him at that point. He he said the Lord said to him, when I created everything, it belonged to my man. I told my man, Adam, have dominion. Over the works of my hands. The psalm says the heaven of heavens is the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. Didn't say he gave it to the devil. He gave it to us. 
His people. His man. The wealth of this planet is for God's kids. That's what it's for. It's not for the devil and his crowd. But he said, Adam and Eve bowed their knee to the enemy, yielded to sin, and then the devil usurped their place. He became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 4 talks about this. And so the enemy, illegally, you might say, has control of this world. And so much of it, including government and so much of the finances, and he wants all the money. Because in this world, money's power and influence. He doesn't want you to have anything, especially if you might tell somebody about Jesus. Or if you might use it to show the goodness of God. He wants to keep you so broke and so sick and so miserable and so depressed that anybody that saw you would run away from being a Christian. Because they don't want to be like that. They don't want to be broke and sick and a failure. You know what makes the devil about as mad as anything? It's not just a righteous man, but a rich, righteous man. Job, need I say more? The devil was having a fit over Job. Because Job was completely righteous. You talk about a good man. You talk about a man that wouldn't lie to you, wouldn't, wouldn't be dishonest, wouldn't violate his conscience. Perfectly good, righteous man and a multi-billionaire with a B. And uh, the devil just couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand it. And through a series of things, we won't go into the book right now, but you know, he had a, some hard times. Uh, scriptorians tell us that that whole episode probably happened in less than a year. You know, eight, nine months. Job had a bad year. Rough year, hard year. But did you read the back of the book? Did you read the back? He wound up healed and the Lord gave him twice what he lost. Don't you know the devil was really having a fit then? I mean, because he was a billionaire before this thing started. Why? Because man, he described his influence over the whole community where he lived, over the whole area, the whole region. I mean, sounded like didn't much get done if Job didn't like it. And what about a a person that loves God with all their heart and are completely righteous and has that much influence in the country? Well, see, the devil is scared of that. He wants anything but that. And so the Lord was telling Brother Hagin, he said, "Uh, I didn't make all that for the devil and his crowd. I made it for my man. I made it for my people, my kids. Do you believe that or not? I believe that. I said, I believe that. He went on to tell him, he said, the world can build a dance hall, a club, a theater, I'd say today a casino, and they can put neon lights all over the front of it, and they can dress it up nicely. But if you want to dress up the church, people say, oh, no, that's too much. Now, listen to what. What he said, the head of the church told him, he said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. He put in parenthesis, the Lord actually said that to me. (laughs) I expect my people to have the best place in town 
to meet in. Has the church thought like that? They have not. Why? If the Lord said, that's what I expect. Why does so much of the church think he's pleased if we go the cheapest, smallest route? See, people are, they don't think like that. They don't think, well, we should have the nicest place. Let's believe and get the nicest place. No, they want to brag about how much money they saved by doing it the cheap little way. And I haven't read any scriptures about where we get rewards for who saved the most money. Brother Kenneth Copeland said, the Lord spoke to him one time and said, when am I going to get all this money that people are saving for me? He's not going to see that money. (laughs) It's a deception. Can you see it? It's a deception. He said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. Now, here's the thing I wanted us to get to. He said, I'm, he said, the Lord, the head of the church, he said, the Lord's telling him this. I'm not withholding adequate food and clothing from your little children. That's not me. It's the devil. Do you believe that? Who's withholding? See, the Lord told him specifically. Because see, he's gone this whole year now. And he's in worse shape than he's ever been in financially. And he's praying and seeking the Lord and fasting. And he said, the Lord said to him, I'm not withholding food and clothes from your little children. I wish the whole world could hear that. And believe that the Lord said that. You believe he said that? I'm not withholding food and clothing from your little children. He said, that's the devil. We ought to know that. Jesus said in John 10, 10, do you remember? I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says to the full until it overflows. He said, the thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. God's not the thief. Jesus is not the thief. That's the devil he's talking about. There is a devil. And he's in the business of stealing and killing and destroying. And if something's being robbed from your life, something's being withheld from you, something's being destroyed and killed in your life, don't imagine that it's God's will. And he's teaching you something through it. Now, there is suffering for his sake, but it has to do with being persecuted for standing up for him and preaching his gospel. And it's an honorable thing to make sacrifices for that. But that's not at all the same as this. He said, I am not withholding adequate food and clothing from your little children. That's not me. It's the devil. You believe the Lord said that? I believe it's all through the scriptures. What about your life? Let's make it personal. What about your life? Who's withholding things that you've desired, things that you've needed? Is God, are you waiting on God? Is he withholding it until you learn this or that? Is he, are you waiting on him? See, that's been the mentality though. People have thought that. They've imagined that. They believe that. So they just wait and they just wait 
And they just wait and months turn into years and years turn into decades and your life is slipping away and, and you've learned how to eke out a meager existence. And, and that's where people come up with all the new doctrines. Well, we're poor, but we're proud. It's, it's not a sin to be poor. It's just mighty inconvenient. And you wish that people wouldn't hear it the way they do. When we talk about being healed, we're not against people that are sick. We want them to be against the sickness. Let's all be against the sickness. Right? And when we talk about having your needs met and being blessed, we're not talking about you're not anything or you're not spiritual. You don't have enough faith if you're at a certain level of finances. No, no. It's good news. You don't have to stay down. God will bring you up. He'll bring you out. None of us would have anything if it wasn't for the mercy of the Lord and the grace of the Lord. It's it's something how the devil tries to twist it. And and they say, well, you're looking down on us and you're saying we're not this. No, no. That's the devil twisting this. The truth is good. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's a good message. He said the Lord told him, I'm not withholding food and clothes from your little kids. Somebody said out loud, the Lord is not withholding any good thing from me. It's not the Lord withholding. It is not him. Well, if it's not him, I don't have to take it laying down. (laughs) If it's not him, that is some good news. Because, you know, if the Lord's holding you down, you might as well give up. You might as well just quit. Because what can you do with that? <laughs> I mean, if it's the Lord's will for you to be sick, there's no use in going to the doctor. <laughs> if it's his will for you to be broke and poor, there's no need in you even trying. <laughs> but when you find out, it never was his will. He's not the one holding you back. He's not the one withholding. Then you can get sassy. You can stand up and go, hey, hey, I'm not taking this anymore. Jesus has bought and paid for something for me. I can have it. Listen, that's what we're getting to here. He said, the money you need is down there on the earth. It's not up here in heaven. The silver and gold are down there on the earth where you need it. He said, Brother Hagin then said, well, what do I do? What do I do? And he said, the Lord told him, don't pray about money anymore. Now, I know that shocked him. He said, that is the way you've been praying. Claim whatever you need. Somebody say, claim whatever you need. Now, are we still talking about harvesting? Claim whatever you need. Say it out loud. Claim Claim. whatever you need. need. Say it again. Claim Claim. whatever you need. need. I know people make fun of us for saying things like this. And they say, ah, you really believe the Lord said that? Absolutely. It sounds just like what he said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to Mark 11. See if it sounds like him. Mark 11, 24. Mark eleven twenty four. what does it say? Jesus said, red letters. How many respect red letters? You respect what Jesus said. Jesus said, I say to you, what things soever you desire. Well, he desires money to, for his kids to be clothed and fed properly, 
catch up their bills and money to go and have meetings and do what he needs to do. Whatever you desire, when you pray, do what? Do what? Believe. Believe what? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This same word, numerous places in the same King James New Testament, receive, same word is translated T-A-K-E, take. Same word, numerous places in the same King James New Testament. Believe that you take them. How am I going to take them? You believe you take them. And when do you believe you take them? Now, when you pray. And then what happens after that? You shall have them. But can you see millions of Christians are not doing that? They're just begging the Lord. And waiting to see what's going to happen. And then when it doesn't happen, they go, well, it must not have been his will. They didn't believe they received anything. They're not doing what he said. And that's what Brother Hagin was learning here. He said, claim whatever you need. He had talked to him about Satan is the God of this world. And so he has influence. And he is trying to hold back. He's the one holding, withholding. He's trying to hold it back, keep it back. He said, you say, Satan, take your hands off my money. He said, because it's Satan who's keeping it from coming to you, not me. Do you believe the Lord said that? Yes. You say, I claim whatever it is you need and name whatever it is you want or you need. Claim what you need or want. Say, Satan, take your hands off my finances. Have you been doing that? If you haven't, you need to start. If you did it a long time ago, but you forgot, time you get stirred up on it, right? And realize, don't just live in a, a lull and just keep waiting and just keep waiting and just keep waiting. Waiting on what? Are we really waiting on the Lord? Are we waiting on him to reap it for us? Are we waiting on him to decide he's tired of withholding it from us and go ahead and let us have it? No. It's the devil, the thief, the killer, the destroyer that's at work trying to withhold from us. And because our money that we need and our stuff is in this world and him being the God of this world, he has influence in this world and he can do things to hinder. But for those standing and believing, he cannot stop it. He can do things that hinder. And if he can get you discouraged and get you worn out and get you despairing and get you to quit, well, then it's not going to happen. Or if he can just lull you into deception that God's, you're waiting on him and that he's withholding for reasons you don't understand and you just have to wait and wait and wait. And so you say, wonder how much longer I have to wait? And the devil will say, oh, it'll be a while. It's going to be a while. Well, wonder why I need to wait. Oh, it's a mystery. And you may never know in this lifetime. Yeah, but I need to pay my bills. Well, it's your cross to bear. Millions believe this. And he said, the Lord told him, I am not the one 
withholding food and clothes from your little kids. He said, it's the devil. And then he told him something he needed to do. Oh, the error of waiting on God when he told you what to do. That's how days and months turn into years and nothing happens. He said, you say, Satan, take your hands off my money. Because it's Satan who's keeping it from coming to you, not me. And you say, I claim whatever it is you need. And then you say, go, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. He said he was in shock. He thought, huh? He'd never heard anything like that. Do what? Tell the ministering spirits, talking about angels. Go, ministering spirits, and cause it to come in. Well, he, he went on to describe how the Lord had to talk to him about this because this was new to him. He said... I never heard anything like that, Lord. On another occasion, an experience he had with the Lord, he said, he said, Lord, I've read the New Testament through 150 times, and if there's anything in there like that, I don't know it. He said, the Lord smiled sweetly and said, son, there's a lot in there you don't know. <laughs> How many think that's the truth right there? It's, it's a lot in there you hadn't seen. And the amazing thing is you may have read it, like he said, hundreds of times, scores of times, and it's just right there and you didn't see it. Not because it's so hard to figure out. It's because the enemy is trying to blind you. Trying to keep you from getting it. So uh, he said, say, go ministering spirits and cause the money to come in. And he said, Lord, the Lord quoted to him then Hebrews. Put it up on the screen for us. Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14. Talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? Who shall be heirs of salvation? He said, He told the Lord, He said, Lord, I thought that said minister to them. He said, No. And He said, he, The Lord gave him the example of a waiter, a wait person coming to your table, and you tell them what you want, and then they go get it and bring it to you. And they're ministering to you and ministering for you. And He went on to describe to him, to explain, He said, Satan himself is not doing all the work of the devil. There are demons and evil spirits. And he said these demons and evil spirits are trying to influence people in the earth to try to tempt them, to get them to lie, to get them to steal, to get them to commit adultery, to get them to commit murder, all kind of things. And they're working to try to influence people. Not necessarily Satan himself, but these demons and evil spirits. And he said in the the same manner, angels influence. You believe that? It's it's in the scriptures. Angels influence. And he said these angels, just like a demon would try to influence somebody to lie or steal, kill, do something evil, these ministering spirits will influence people. Uh, They may not see anything or hear anything, but a thought will just come to them and a feeling will just come over them. And they think, you know, I need to do that. And it's an influence for good. It's a godly influence. And in this regard, Brother Hagin's needing money for his family and for his his, his ministry and his meetings. And and so he said he was in this little place, very small congregation. I think he said uh, their average crowd was 40. And uh, he said, uh, 
The last time he was there, he got $57 a week. And that was only after the pastor took a long time with the offering and pled and said, who will give five? Who will give ten? And just took a long time pulling. Oh, please, you know, you know, Brother Hagin needs it. And da-da-da-da. And he went on. $57 for the week. And he said, now this time he's back. He needed a minimum of $150 a week just to not go in the hole anymore. And he said he knew. He dare not say anything to the pastor about it. Because he'd say, if he'd have told the pastor, he said $100, the pastor said, man, I, you know, it, it, it'd take God to do that. And, and then if he said if $150, he said the pastor said, oh, I don't think Jesus himself would get that <laughs> at, at this meeting. <laughs> this is back 1950 in a small place out rural. And uh, he told, uh, later he told the pastor, don't say a word. Just say, this is Brother Hagin's offering. And just pass the plate. And he said, well, Brother Hagin, if I say, if, if I don't, you know, go through his pulling and who will give five and ten. He said, if I don't do that, you won't get a quarter. He said, well, if all I get is a quarter, you won't hear a word out of me. I'll just take my quarter and go. He said, just say, this is Brother Hagin's offering. Pass the plate. Because he said he wanted to prove it out, what the Lord had told him. And he went out there by himself. And he stood up. And he said, Satan. You take your hands off my money. I claim $150 a week. Now, uh, why didn't he claim $10,000? See, this is not just what you can say. It's what you can believe. And after hearing from the Lord, his faith has come. Faith comes by hearing. His faith has come up where even though he got $57 after much pleading last time, he believes God could do this. And so he said, I claim $150 every week while I'm here. And uh, go ministering spirits and cause it to come in. And he said, the Lord told him, he said, uh, after you do this, count it done. Don't pray about it again. And if you think about it, if it crosses your mind, just say, thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs. Well, that's faith, isn't it? And so he said, uh, end of the week came, $150 had come in. He said, the pastor shook his head and said, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Somebody told me, I'd have hardly believed it. Well, it wasn't his faith, no, was it? (laughs) And he said he learned how then, you know, everywhere he went. He said the next place he went, he found out he actually needed a little more. But he didn't tell them what he needed. And he just claimed it like he, he said, you know, Satan, take your hands off my money. I claim whatever it was, $200 a week. And go ministering spirits caused it to come in. And he said before the week was over, he had that money every week. Plus he had a new set of tires for his car. Plus he had some other things. And it wasn't from begging. It wasn't from pleading. God did it. Why would these people sow that when before it was such a struggle for a third of it to come in? It influence and not man's influence, divine influence. Come on, can you see this? And this is not just for preachers. This is not preacher verses. This is believer verses. You might say, well, I'm never in a meeting. I don't have offerings. It's not according to offerings. It's according to influence. 
And there's all kind of avenues for it to come. It can come in your occupation, in your job, right? It can come in the form of jobs, contracts, opportunities, equipment, right? You can try to do it through your finagling and calling and working the phones and beating on doors. And you can just trust in your ability or you can begin to operate like this. You can claim what you need. Right? You can bind the enemy from holding it back from you and you can believe for it to come in and count on his influence. And things will happen and people look at you and go, I don't know why I'm doing this for you, but you'll just smile and go, I know. And now you're living by faith. You're operating by faith. Can you see this? Somebody say amen. Amen means so be it. Thanks be unto God. So He began to operate that way, and then he said toward the end of the book, he said, uh, after doing that for 30 years now at that time, he said it was as easy for him. Of course, the ministry had gotten large, and and the school, and the international ministry. He said he could believe God for a million dollars just as easy as he used to be to believe for that $150 after 30 years of uh, exercising and doing this. Can you say amen? Can you take a little bit more here? Going over to Luke 11 then. Who's withholding from you? It's not the Lord. The Lord is not withholding. There's some terrible things happening in the world. There are people, including children, starving to death for lack of just something decent to eat. And you hear people that think they're smart, talk about, well, we don't understand God's ways. No way God's withholding food from these little kids. No way is he withholding money from somebody to pay their electric bill. No way. But because people haven't been taught the goodness of God and who he really is and how things work, and people haven't been taught that you have to live by faith and you have to take some responsibility to deal with some of these things. A lot of it's just ignorance. People never heard it. Some that did thought, I don't know if I believe all that stuff. It's a dangerous thing to reject truth. It'll keep you in bondage. But do you believe God is big enough that he could bring some influence that would cause changes in your life right away? Do you believe it? Somebody say, I believe it. Because we're going to act on this. In just a few minutes, we're going to act on this. We're going to act on it as a church. We're going to act on it as individuals and families. Because if God's not holding it back from us, and if God's for us, and we do what we're supposed to do, who can hold it back anymore? Who can do it? In Luke 11, this is an interesting passage of Scripture because of the wording used here. It kind of misses some folks. I know it was numerous times I read it before I, uh, it, it came alive to me. Luke 11 and verse uh, 5. Jesus said to them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves 
For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Now, what's he doing? He's over at his friend's house at midnight. And this is pre-electricity days. So what do you think is going on at midnight? Not just sleeping. They've been asleep a long time. Because they're going to get up at the crack of dawn. And uh, boom, 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 boom on the door. Awaken out of a sound sleep. Jimmy, get up. Get me some bread, man. Joe Bob just came by. And he's hungry. What would the person's, you know, awakened out of a, a dead sleep, what's your first response, you know? Oh, man. Boom, 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 boom. Get up. And uh, verse 7, he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is shut. Me and the kids are in bed. I cannot rise and give you. It's late. Tell Joe Bob to go to bed. <laughs> he eat tomorrow morning. Feel <laughs> here bothered me at midnight, waking up the kids. Keep reading. Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. At this point, friendship ain't enough <laughs> to get you out of bed. Maybe it's cold. They didn't have central heat. You and the kids are in bed and you finally got warm. And you just don't see why you need to get up and do it. And don't want to. Friendship is not a strong enough motivator. <laughs> Yet because of his importunity. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. He, will, he said the guy will get up. And do it. And give him all he needs and wants. Now I want you to listen. Now. Here's the difference between going away empty. Or going away with everything you need and want. What was the difference? King James says importunity. And that word just whew, goes over most folks' head and mind. It's just like, huh? And the, the, some of the translations and some of the definitions people come up with, a lot of folks say because of his persistence. But that does not tell the story. And that's where it gets missed. If you look up this word, don't take my word for it necessarily, look it up in the lexicons and dictionaries, you'll find that it literally means shamelessness. Shamelessness or also without bashfulness. Another word is boldness. Shamelessness. Now, what is the opposite of shamelessness? Shamefulness is, oh, his wife said, go over there and get some bread for Joe Bob. And I'm not going over there. It's midnight. Yeah, you're not going to have any bread. I'm not, I'm not going over there. I just don't like to bother people. And I just, I'm not going. 
Now, it's a good thing to not want to impose on people. But there's a much larger truth here that Jesus is sharing with us. People that act like that with other folks, oftentimes, well, I shouldn't say oftentimes, all the time. They are the same way with the Lord. And you'll hear people talking about this. Oh, I don't want to bother the Lord with that. I, oh, I, you know, I don't, we don't need much. And we're saved and love the Lord, love each other. So you're not going to, you're not going to ask. And you're not going to ask like that. One, one definition of the word is impudence. It's, uh, brashness is that you would have the audacity to tromp up there in the middle of the night and beat on the door and holler get up Joe Bob needs some bread (laughs) tradition has said oh yeah that's bad that's bad that's bad Jesus said no that's why he got bread when friendship wouldn't get him bread Bold asking did. The scripture says you have not. Because you ask not. What is the punchline to this story? Oh yeah. Did you read the next verse? Read verse 8. Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Yet Jesus is talking. Because of his shamelessness. His boldness. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say to you, what? Do it. Do this. Ask. Ask. And you won't do without. It'll be given you. Sit back and imagine yourself humble. Well, I'm, I'm not going to ask the Lord. He knows what I need. And it's all in his hands. And it's all up to him. You're wrong. You're wrong. You'll do without. And you'll think it's something to do with his plan. And it's got nothing to do with his plan. The Lord said, I'm not withholding. Don't you like that? I'm not withholding food and clothes from your little children. He said, the devil is. It's the devil. He's the God of this world. Your money's in this world. He's the one withholding. He said, you need to stand up and say, Satan, take your hands off my money. You need to stand up and say, I claim whatever you need. And he said, and won't. Then he said that, and won't. And then you say, go ministering spirits. Cause it to come in. Just like demons influence people to do evil. Could you believe that angels influence people to do good? Certainly. Certainly. I say ask. Come on, verse 9. Are you with me? Ask and what will happen? And your kids will have their clothes. And you'll have plenty of food. And you'll pay your bills. You'll be in good shape. Seek and what will happen? And you won't be scratching your head the rest of your life. You will find out. Knock and what will happen? It shall be open to you for not just a lucky few. Everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks it shall be open. If what? If you will have enough faith and courage and boldness to step up and do what he's talking about. 
Ask for it. And when you ask, don't ask wavering. Believe that you receive. Believe that you take it. Right? Isn't that what James says? If you ask for wisdom, that's good. But don't, but you gotta ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Cause if you waver, if you say, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, that's not gonna work. You gotta rise up and say, I claim X amount, whatever it is you need. I claim it. Out of this world system. Satan, you take your hands off of it. You cannot keep it from me. In the name of Jesus, I command you to turn loose of it. Get your hands off of it. It's mine. I claim it. The money you need is not in heaven. It's down here. It's here. You know, also where the devil is. But he's not bigger than God. He's not bigger than the name of Jesus. And he's not bigger than faith in God. Go, ministering spirits. Brother Hagin said when he first did that, he did it trembling. Because he'd never heard anything like that before. And he didn't want to preach on it till he had seen it work. <laughs> For a while. And he did. Thank God he did. It's blessing us tonight. Right? And uh, he said afterwards, when he saw how wonderfully it worked, and as they're just going in the hole, going in the hole, he came out. He said he was, he, he was under the barrel. Not bottom of the barrel, under the barrel. Barrel's on top of him. But he said God brought him out in short order, brought him out, turned the situation around, got him in a a good house and got him in better shape and just came up, up and up. And any of you that have seen the Rama campus, my, 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 imagine where he was, had to sell his car for junk. And now that. And millions of books sent all over the world and amazing things happen. What if he hadn't got this back there then? You could have said, well, I can't do this. You know, I'm going in a hole. I barely pay the interest. I got no car now. Must not be God's will for me to be in the ministry. Maybe God's trying to tell me something. I must have missed him. You see how people get messed up? They start judging the will of God by their unpleasant experiences that they're having. And imagine, that like there is no devil. Imagine like God's withholding. Say it out loud. He's not withholding. He is What did he say? Didn't we read a scripture? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Those are endeavoring to do what he told them to do. No good thing will he withhold. Can you say glory to God? What things serve you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them. Believe that you take them. You lay hold of it. Let me see. Y'all just that confess it, possess it bunch. You better believe it. That's us. If you ever see the truth, you want to be one of us. Y'all just let blab it and grab it. Claim it and frame it. (laughs) We don't deny it, but they ought to watch who they're making fun of. Because that's Jesus. I didn't write that. Brother Hagin didn't write that. That's Jesus said that. How about acting on it tonight? Stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Let's act on this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Just close your eyes and focus on Him for a moment. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Lord, we worship you. 
we look to you. There are those in the room, just keep your eyes closed, please, no looking around. Those in the room and those watching by internet, you've been angry at God because of the way some things have been in your life and you need to repent because you believed lies about him. He's never been your problem. He's always been your answer. He's never been against you. He's not been the one withholding. So if you felt hard at him, you are confused and believe something wrong. You ought to repent before him right now. Nobody else has to know, but just in your heart, say, Father, forgive me. That's not true. I should have never felt that way. I should have never thought that. You are not the thief. You are not the one withholding from me. If you believe his word, if you believe he's good, tell him that. Tell him that, that you know he's good. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.